Chapter Seventeen of Remarkable Rogues by Charles Kingston. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seventeen. Emmanuel Barthelemy. Emmanuel Barthelemy was a villain of the melodramatic type. Throughout his stormy and adventurous life, he appeared to be fully conscious of the fact that he was acting a part. He was theatrical in everything he did yet the touch of realism was seldom lacking and he lived and died without fear he was tall strongly built with a large head thick hair an expressive cast of countenance dark flashing eyes and a mouth that was eloquent of the villain's vile savage temper barthelemy was a revolutionary by profession utterly unprincipled killing because he loved it as a sport and the times in which he lived provided him with numerous opportunities to gratify his propensity for murder his luck was extraordinary until he ran counter to the english law and although he escaped the death penalty once in england on the second occasion he stood his trial for murder and was sentenced and executed barthelemy was a frenchman and in the early part of the nineteenth century he took part in many revolutions in france louis the eighteenth who had been restored to his kingdom by the victory of waterloo was finding it difficult to maintain his dynasty and barthelemy was one of those who objected to his reign his objection took the extreme form of shooting dead an unfortunate gendarme in cold blood this was barthelemy's first big venture and he was sentenced to the galleys for life as a punishment being lucky to escape with his life but the murderer did not serve his sentence in eighteen thirty the political party he favoured succeeded in gaining the upper hand and barthelemy's callous crime was duly considered to be a political offence and accordingly he was released along with thousands of genuine victims of the ruthlessness of the bourbons this was indeed a matter for much satisfaction and enjoyment and barthelemy nothing daunted threw himself into the fray again he became a sort of unofficial police spy and for years haunted the cafes where out-at-elbow politicians talked treason and other things when a new chief of police was appointed the spy lost his situation and was compelled to join an active organization which was opposed to the ambitions of louis napoleon but in eighteen forty eight there was again a revolution and louis napoleon became napoleon the third the new emperor treated his defeated opponents with ferocious cruelty and with hundreds of other refugees barthelemy fled to england to live in exile for the remainder of his life from the moment of his arrival in london he took a leading part in the councils of the french colony the refugees never abandoned their hope that napoleon the third would be driven from the throne of france day after day in poverty they fed on hope and ambition and barthelemy was ever the loudest and most swashbuckling of the optimists it was observed that he was never without funds although he came of a poor and humble family but he was so outspoken against the new order of things in his native country that those who whispered that he was a paid spy in napoleon's service were laughed to scorn in the course of time some of the refugees formed a small colony near inglefield green egham middlesex where they established a sort of country house for the more respectable of the french exiles men who really desired to serve their country and who believed that napoleon the third was ruining it 
by some means barthelemy found his way into the house at egham though his aggressive manner and somewhat uncouth ways were abhorrent to the majority who were for the most part ex-officers of the french army and navy however his whole-souled hatred of the emperor of the french was a passport to their society and they tolerated him until he became intolerable barthelemy was by nature and instinct a bully and his favourite argument when any one had the temerity to persist in contradicting him was a blow from his heavy fist he had a powerful voice too and few persons could talk louder and longer than he but like all bullies it was the easiest thing in the world for him to lose his temper his readiness to murder on sight however made him a hero in the eyes of the riff-raff amongst the refugees but the better class regarded him with distrust and only put up with his eccentricities because the movement was short of men amongst the colony at egham there was an ex-naval officer of the name of cornet he had served his country well without enriching himself and in character and disposition he was the reverse of barthelemy though cornet when provoked was fierce and short-tempered still he was as a rule polite and courteous and he never originated a quarrel the numerous revolutions in france had involved him as principal in no fewer than fourteen duels and on every occasion he had hit his man he was therefore a duellist of renown and his reputation amongst the exiles was second to none barthelemy did not like this and he resolved to depose cornet from his leadership to do this he had to force a duel upon the ex-officer and one night at egham when cornet was in his mildest humour barthelemy sprang to his feet and swore that the older man had grossly insulted him in the circumstances he considered that cornet ought to give him the usual satisfaction one gentleman owes to another and that meant a duel but barthelemy had forgotten one thing he had challenged cornet who accordingly had the right to name the weapons now cornet was an expert with the pistol and barthelemy considered himself equally expert with the sword as the challenged party however cornet selected pistols and barthelemy had to abide by his choice the duel was fixed for the following day and barthelemy passed a night of terror he saw himself an easy target for the ex-officer's pistol in fact he was perfectly certain that he was going to his death and he did not want to die his partisans meanwhile published abroad amongst the french colony in london the news of the quarrel it divided them into two camps each clamorous for its champion's superiority bets were made as to the result and at about the time the duel was to take place a crowd of refugees assembled in leicester square to hear the result just as in the past the race for the derby had caused crowds to assemble outside the offices of sporting papers to await the name of the winner the duel was to determine who was the unofficial leader of the frenchmen driven into exile by napoleon Third. cunet's friends however were never uneasy as to the result they knew that their man would and must win but unfortunately for their principal they forgot to take measures to prevent his opponent fighting unfairly barthelemy and his intimates actually tampered with his pistol the weapon which had won for him fourteen similar contests to lessen the chances of discovery they arranged that cornet's pistol would go off the moment the trigger was touched but not in the direction intended by its owner and then when barthelemy presented his weapon at his opponent it would miss fire 
proving that his pistol was defective too the misfiring however would not forfeit his turn to shoot and at the second attempt barthelemy would have no difficulty in making the pistol do his bidding these were the final arrangements and they were carried out without a single flaw the duellists assembled on inglefield green and quinet won the right to the first shot to his astonishment and anger the charge in his pistol exploded and the bullet went harmlessly into the air the ex-officer was not however afraid he stood rigid whilst barthelemy levelled his weapon it misfired and barthelemy had to devote a little time to setting it right then he remembered that the episode provided him with a chance for a theatrical display in the best manner of the stage hero he offered to forgo his shot if cornet would consent to continue the duel with swords the ex-officer instantly rejected the offer pointing out that if barthelemy missed he would be entitled to another shot and then he grimly added he would not miss again barthelemy knew quite well that his opponent spoke only the barest truth and without another moment's delay he levelled his pistol and shot cornet dead it was murder and murder of the most brutal and disgraceful type but none of the seconds realized that from first to last they had treated the english law against duelling with the utmost contempt although they knew that according to the law of the land they were all murderers but they regarded themselves as a french colony owning the laws of france only and leaving poor cornet lying stark and stiff the seconds and barthelemy went off to london with the intention of celebrating the victory in the soho cafés frequented by their fellow-countrymen however they were not at liberty for long for at waterloo station they were met by detectives who took them into custody that was in eighteen fifty two not many years after the abolition of duelling in england and in the circumstances it was considered wiser by the authorities to place barthelemy only on trial for the murder of cornet when the case came on at kingston on thames all the facts mentioned above were cited by the prosecution it was clearly proved that the contest had not been a duel at all but a cold-blooded murder on the part of the prisoner and his accomplices the tampered pistols were produced and the whole of barthelemy's villainy laid bare indeed counsel for the prosecution had the easiest of tasks when the jury retired there was considerable surprise in court for no sensible person having heard the evidence should have wished for time to consider his verdict the surrey jury however were evidently of opinion that the case wasn't so simple as it looked and they spent some time in their private room eventually returning to astound a packed court declaring their verdict to be one of manslaughter of course there was no help for it and instead of the scaffold barthelemy received a nominal sentence and was free again shortly afterwards the verdict of the jury which in plain language meant that in their opinion the duel had been fairly fought greatly enhanced barthelemy's reputation amongst his countrymen the better disposed however avoided him but in the purlieus of soho it was considered an honour to stand the hero of englefield green a drink or when funds permitted to offer him dinner barthelemy was undisputed king of the bullies now and he thoroughly enjoyed his triumph for some months he was lionised and he did considerable entertaining in return providing plenty of food and wine particularly the latter 
it was said that his object was to make certain men speak freely and without thinking and it was remarkable how well informed the paris secret police were of the movements and doings of the principal members of the french colony in london about this time but if barthelemy was suspected of being their agent there was no proof against him and the majority of those who knew him unreservedly accepted him as a pure-minded and high-souled patriot but gradually barthelemy's funds ran out and his borrowing powers showed signs of appreciable decline the aggressive theatricalism of his manner remained and he began to be something of a lady-killer but most of the time he was vulgarly hard up and he detested poverty some time in the year eighteen fifty four he came into the life of a tall handsome girl who spoke french with an english accent who this girl was has never been discovered she came on to the stage as it were with barthelemy to take part in a tragedy that was to cost the villain his life and when the drama was over she was never seen again although the police of half a dozen countries devoted weeks to searching for her the girl was undoubtedly pretty and she fell in love with barthelemy and according to him she told him a moving and pathetic story of neglect and ill-treatment by her own father her father she declared was mr george moore a well-to-do mineral-water manufacturer who lived at seventy-three warren street fitzroy square in the dull and dreary neighbourhood of tottenham court road she said he had promised to make her a comfortable allowance but had failed to keep his word and she implored barthelemy to see that justice was done her whether the murderer's statement was an invention or not we have no means of knowing but he did call on mr moore and he took the girl with him and the visit culminated in a terrible tragedy when the servant opened the door to the visitors she noticed that the lady wore a thick mantle and was heavily veiled they passed upstairs to mr moore's private room and were cordially received for afterwards three siphons of lemonade were found on a table with three glasses it may be mentioned that in addition to mr moore and his female servant the only other resident in the house was a young grandchild of the tenants for a few minutes mr moore and his visitors chatted amicably it was never known what passed between them bartholomew gave his version but he was amongst other things a professional liar and his word cannot be accepted mr moore undoubtedly received them in the friendliest manner and he must have had a good reason for doing so who was the mysterious girl heavily veiled what part did she take in the conversation that led up to the double murder bartholomew's version was that he politely requested mr moore to deal fairly by his own daughter whom he intended to make his wife of course as is the custom in france the frenchman pointed out that the bride must have a dowry it was essential to the success of the matrimonial adventure that the wife should be in a position to support her husband in this case the husband-to-be was the type that does not like work perhaps barthelemy's statement was true except in one particular the mysterious lady may not have been the daughter of the manufacturer but it is creditable that barthelemy may have planned the whole affair in order to blackmail mr moore no doubt he induced the girl to pose as the injured daughter and it is conceivable that he coached her into acting the part of the grief-stricken woman whose mother was betrayed and deserted mr moore listened to the demand for a settlement on the girl who said she was his daughter and then curtly declined to pay a penny barthelemy threatened him with loss of reputation and its twin respectability 
what would his friends think of him the older man laughed contemptuously he was not going to yield to a pair of blackmailers and he told them to clear out of his house as quickly as possible all three by now would be on their feet bartholomew and mr moore face to face the former's eyes flashing his pose theatrical and the girl in the background watching her face hidden by the heavy folds of her veil the two men would be exchanging angry words their tempers rising every moment until it would seem that they must be overheard by anybody in the street but the blackmailer did not wish matters to go as far as that and he suddenly ended the altercation by smashing mr moore's head in with a blow from a loaded stick the unfortunate merchant collapsed in a heap on the floor but he was by no means unconscious and he shouted for help until his servant realized that her master was in danger throwing open the front door she screamed in terror until the whole street was roused a policeman came running towards her and she gasped out what she knew it was obvious that the murderer would not attempt to leave by the front door and as the only other means of exit was by way of the back yard and over certain walls the officer collared by name who had served in the army and was a very brave man without thinking of the risk or waiting for assistance dashed round to the back of the house to intercept the frenchman and his female companion a small crowd guarded the front of the building all of them valiantly prepared to take any risk because there were fifty of them to share it meanwhile barthelemy realizing that he had killed moore and that the whole neighbourhood was roused sought desperately for a way of escape in the crisis he thought only of himself and without a word to the girl he rushed from the room darted downstairs and into the yard climbed a wall at the back and jumped over to find himself in the arms of the policeman the two men rolled and struggled in the road the officer undismayed by barthelemy's superiority in height and strength collared more than held his own but barthelemy as in the case of his duel with cornet was not going to fight fairly he drew his pistol the moment he was able to release one hand and with the greatest deliberation fired twice into the body of his opponent there were several eye-witnesses of the crime but no one appears to have attempted to detain the murderer and barthelemy would have got away if just as collard had fallen back with a groan more police had not arrived on the scene the frenchman was speedily overcome by them and disarmed it had been a breathlessly exciting time from beginning to end and it was not until barthelemy was taken to prison that it occurred to his captors to search for his female companion she had not left the house by the front door for there had been someone on guard there all the time and now the police entered expecting to find her hiding in one of the rooms at the top every possible exit was closed before the search began but despite the protracted efforts of the officers of the law to locate her she was not found in the room where the interview with mr moore had taken place they discovered lying near the body of the murdered man a woman's mantle the very one which she had worn when admitted by the servant as the latter confirmed how had she escaped if she had gone by the back way she could not have failed to attract the attention of the crowd which had assembled when collard had tackled barthelemy besides it was almost impossible for a girl to climb the wall unaided 
the authorities quickly discounted the theory of escape by the back and in the end it was generally believed that the girl had come prepared for the tragedy and that she had dressed herself in such a way that by discarding her outer garment she would look absolutely different from the person who had entered with barthelemy she must therefore have slipped off her cloak and mingled with the crowd in the hall unobserved in the general excitement it was a most extraordinary feature of the case that the girl was never seen again not a trace of her could be found and the united exertions of the english and continental police failed to furnish a clue to her identity it was conjectured that the girl had left england within a dozen hours of barthelemy's arrest as the only person who could have told the story of mr moore's murder and the reasons which led up to it she would have been a most valuable witness but as she did not come forward the tragedy remained enveloped in mystery collard the brave policeman was in a dying condition when taken to the hospital and as his end was approaching it was deemed advisable that he should give his version of the struggle in the presence of barthelemy the prisoner was conveyed to the hospital where collard barely conscious denounced him as his assassin the frenchman stood with his arms folded and steadily surveyed collard's face it was merely a pose of course but it was a carefully prepared one for barthelemy never admitted that the unlucky officer had any ground for disliking him he described the firing of his revolver as an accident and declared that when a man is trying to make his escape he is justified in using any weapon to further his ends the policeman briefly told how he had tried to arrest barthelemy and when the statement had been taken down in writing and read over to the dying man barthelemy was removed collard died a couple of hours later and when his death was notified the authorities decided to place barthelemy on trial for the murder of the policeman and not for the crime of having killed mr moore the reason for this was that no one except the girl who had vanished had seen the murder of mr moore whereas there were several persons who had been spectators of the second murder the police now began to investigate barthelemy's life and by the time the prisoner came to stand his trial at the old bailey were certain that the motive of the murder of mr moore was robbery and nothing else the mineral water manufacturer was in the habit of keeping a fairly large sum of money in the house and barthelemy had evidently brought his female companion with the object of using her as a bait to draw mr moore's attention away from himself if the merchant should become engrossed in the girl barthelemy would be able to slip out of the room unobserved and commit the theft this was what he intended should happen but apparently mr moore's suspicions had been unexpectedly aroused before barthelemy could act and in a vain effort to save himself and also to obtain the plunder barthelemy had committed murder only to find himself compelled to take a second human life this was the official version of a tragic interview but as it was based entirely on conjecture it was not universally accepted to say that emmanuel barthelemy enjoyed his trial for murder at the old bailey is not an exaggeration he revelled in the role of first villain in a piece which drew all london as the hero of the duel at egham and the subsequent trial at kingston he was already something of a celebrity his achievements in france as a revolutionary were the subject of common gossip and that they did not belie the character of the man was obvious from the attitude of studied bravado he maintained throughout the trial 
he always referred to the double murder as the affair and while he politely expressed regret that the affair should have caused inconvenience to the policeman collared yet he could not in justice to himself admit that there was anything in his conduct deserving of censure he had only fired in self-defence and no one ought to blame him for that the decision of the authorities to make the murder of collar the only charge provided the defence with their one chance counsel for the prisoner ingeniously argued that at the worst barthelemy had been guilty of manslaughter only he had fired at collard with the object of facilitating his escape there had been no quarrel between the prisoner and his victim they were perfect strangers and the policeman's death was really an accident as barthelemy had only intended to injure him barthelemy held his head high all through the trial and there was plenty of the flashing eye business and gesture of contempt interludes to enliven the proceedings he took up the attitude of one who does not fear death and considering that this was his third trial for murder and that he had escaped twice he had some reason for assuming that he was not meant to die upon the scaffold the old bailey jury however proved somewhat more sophisticated than the kingston jury and without hesitation they rejected the subtle theories of counsel for the defence the fact could never be obscured that collard had been murdered by barthelemy and their immediate and unanimous verdict was that the prisoner was guilty the usual sentence of death followed and barthelemy received it with a mocking bow he did not care and he was not afraid he knew that there was no chance of a reprieve and while he awaited execution he conducted himself quietly giving no trouble to the prison authorities he declared himself an atheist and declined to receive a priest of his own nationality when the chaplain managed to speak a few words of admonition he answered with a laugh i don't want god to save my soul if there is a god let him save my body by opening the prison doors that's all i ask as the time grew shorter however barthelemy became anxious about something but it was not his soul sending for the governor he declared that the only cause of uneasiness was a fear lest after his death his clothes should be exhibited at madame tussaud's the governor reassured him by promising him that they would not and once more the convict's mind was at rest and he faced eternity calmly calcraft was the executioner and barthelemy made his acquaintance with a cynical smile i have one thing to ask of you do it quickly he said on the morning of his execution january twenty second eighteen fifty five the grim-visaged executioner nodded barthelemy was undoubtedly a type of murderer not often met with even by a man with calcraft's experience when the frenchman stepped on to the scaffold he surveyed the crowd with a cool stare slightly contemptuous of their interest and excitement in his opinion death was not worth all this display he was treating it with the indifference it merited now i shall know the secret he said as the rope was placed around his neck a few minutes later he was dead End of chapter seventeen